Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. God, thank you so much for this opportunity to be together. God, thank you for each and every person here. God, you knew that we would be here before the foundations of the earth. God, you knew that we would be sitting in this room. You knew the relationships we'd be walking into. God, I pray today that you would speak to us. God, truly, it's your property to speak to your children. So I pray that you would open the eyes of our heart. Let us see you clearly. Let us leave here differently than we came here. God, we're not here for just a good church service. We want to leave differently than we came. God, we want to see you what you see. We want to hear your voice, God. We want to live a life that changes and transforms the world around us. Bless us and keep us. Watch over us, protect us. Let us get closer to you and closer to each other today, I pray. In Jesus' mighty, powerful name, and everyone said, amen and amen. Well, hey, we are in John 4 today. I'm excited about this. If you were uh, at the Dream Team party Wednesday night, we had so much fun. Thanks so much for being there. We had a blast, awesome time. If you've yet to be on the Dream Team, I encourage you, jump into Growth Track any Sunday and be a part of the Dream Team. Those are all the people that volunteer and serve, whether they're singing up here or working in the back or doing kids. All of that is the Dream Team, and those are the people that make the dream happen. So I encourage you. That's our version of membership classes. If you go, man, I'd love to get plugged in. What does that look like? then you need to go through growth track. Hey, John 4, turn your Bibles with me today. John 4, 1, if you don't have it, it's up on the screen. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. And Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself did not baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on his way. Let me tell you why. This is its own individual sentence. Theologians reading this would know that you don't have to go through Samaria to go from Judea to Galilee. So Jesus is going out of his way. Normally they would avoid Samaria because the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. Our idea of what racial tensions are don't even compare kind of to how the Jews and the Gentiles, the Samaritans, felt about each other. If you were walking down the street and a Samaritan was walking down the street, you had to go to the other side of the road. You weren't even allowed by law to be on the same side of the street as them. They couldn't sit at a table with you to eat. They couldn't eat food that you had eaten. They weren't allowed to speak to each other, touch each other, talk to each other, and it was law that they were supposed to be that separated. So Jesus would not have normally gone through Samaria, but it says today he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to a Samaritan field of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. I love this part of the story. As someone who's a builder and a planner and a dreamer and vision, I see down the road. That's kind of probably the gifting that God gave me. I love this moment right here. Jacob's well. Jesus sits at Jacob's well, and you know what I thought about when I read that? I thought about Jacob. How many of you know how many years there is between Jacob and Joseph in the Bible? Anybody? 1,800 years between Jacob and Joseph, 41 generations. 1,800 years earlier, Jacob was walking that same path. Jacob got thirsty, and Jacob said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build a well so that one day when my children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren come walking down this same path, they will have sustenance to provide for them. And so he began, have you ever tried to dig a well? You know how hard it is to dig a well? You ever try to dig a hole? 
Digging a hole will show you why so many bodies get found, okay? Because you try to dig a hole, you get about this deep, and you're like, no, let's just cover them with some leaves, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, if you've ever tried to dig a real hole, it's hard. My brother called me when we were living in Louisiana, and he goes, hey, my dog just got hit by a car. I need you to come help me bury it. I'm like, okay. We go over there, pull the dog out the road. We go back to the middle of this property, and we start digging. We dig for about 45 minutes, and there's a hole like this big after 45 minutes. He's like, what are we going to do? I'm like, I've got, I, I don't know. We're going to throw them over the neighbor's fence is what we're going to do. Because <laughs> we're, not, we're not digging this hole any deeper than it is. It's hard to dig a hole. Jacob sat down and dug a well that 1,800 years later, his great, 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 great grandchildren are now reaping the benefits of. Do you know what you're sitting in right now? You're sitting in a well. And this well has been hard to build. We've been five years building this well. But the beauty of this well is that in 50 years, 100 years, our children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren will drink from the well of the work you're doing today. <laughs> Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. I want you to hear this. This is important. Jesus tells us it's noon, and that's important. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. Now, if you're going to go and draw water, if none of us had power today, and you had to go and get your water today, at what time do you think you would like to go and do that chore in South Texas? Early. Would you like to be out there at noon or 6 a.m.? 6 a.m. And this is what they would do. Most women would get up together. They would take their families. They would go to the well. They'd get their water early in the morning before the sun came up. They'd get back, and their family would be cared for all day. So why is this woman going to the well at noon when everyone else goes to the well in the morning? A Samaritan woman came to draw, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised. For Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. You know what I love about Jesus is that he loves surprising us. You know, if Jesus returned today, he probably would aggravate all of the people that are say they're religious and spiritual. Because that's exactly what he did the first time. He came and they were the religious people and all of the rules and all the laws and all their organizations. And they had it all set up. And the person it was all set up for, they couldn't even stand. They didn't want to be around. I love that Jesus surprises us. I love that Jesus sees people more than he sees their condition or dysfunction. I love that Jesus looks and he didn't see a Samaritan woman. He saw an eternal soul that he loved and wanted to rescue. So many times we look at people and we see external things that stop us from wanting to love them. I love that Jesus surprises us by who he reaches out to, who he cares for, who he loves on. I encourage you, live a surprising life. Help people nobody else would help. Love on people nobody else would love on. Have conversations with people that surprise them. This is what Jesus did. Jesus found himself in these situations. Like, you'll find yourself in these situations. You'll go to lunch after this, and you'll be sitting there, and there'll be some sweet girl waiting on you, and you'll look up, and you'll see something in her eyes, and you'll go, man, I should probably pray for her. And then another voice would go, no, that'd be weird. No, that's what Jesus would do. Jesus would go, hey, how are you doing today? How's everything? Tell me, tell me you, you seem like you had a rough day. Can I pray for you? And you know what's amazing when you do that 99% of the time? People go, oh, God, it's the worst day of my life. I lit up, but thank you. Yes, please. Because most people don't do that. It's surprising. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? 
Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. I wonder this morning if any of you are tired of drinking at wells that don't quench your thirst anymore. If you're tired of going back to things that satisfy you momentarily but don't sustain you eternally. If you find yourself drinking from water that you have to keep going back to in order to feel better then this is what this woman was experiencing. And Jesus is trying to make a delineation here between what she sees and what she doesn't see. Today, there's what we see. There's you sitting down. What we don't see is the spirit world. What we don't see is the spiritual element of every person sitting here. And this is what Jesus is trying to have an interaction with. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. I love that Jesus chose to met this, meet this woman at the well because the well represents something in our life. The well is a need. Every person has a basic need. It's water and food. If you don't drink water for seven days, you die. Okay. So at some point, she was going to have to go to the well to get water. Her need was going to drive her to the place where she met Jesus. I want you to hear this today. Oftentimes, Jesus will meet you at the wells you drink from trying to fulfill yourself just to show you the need you have is not that but him. The need you have is not that but him. Have you ever drank from wells that didn't fulfill you? Woke up mornings, you thought this was going to be the thing, the person, the moment, the fulfillment, only to feel empty still on the inside? It was the second year of the church, and I was at home about 9 o'clock at night, and I got a phone call from a guy who was in the church. He said, Pastor, can you come up here to El Mariachi's, the Mexican restaurant at the front of the neighborhood? I looked at the phone. It was about almost 10 o'clock. I said, well, how long have you been there? I'm trying to gauge the situation, you know what I mean? <laughs> how long have you been there? He sounded like he was maybe a few drinks in. But Pastor, no, there's somebody you need to talk to. I need you to talk to him. Okay, so I drive up there, and I go, and I sit down across from the guy, and he tells me I'm the owner of, and he says a company that everyone would know if I said it. And his wife and him are there. They're miserable, marriage falling apart, and I'm talking with him about what fulfills him. There's this thing inside of you that, that until you resolve and until you wrestle with and until you see, it's always going to be nagging at you. There's going to be a part of you that's unfulfilled forever. And then he said something to me interesting. He goes, no, 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 not forever. I have a number in my mind. And when I hit that number, I know I'll be content. Now, this man had more than $100 million in his bank account. So if you have a number under that, that wouldn't fulfill you either. Let me just tell you because he just said it didn't fulfill him. He's sitting there and he goes, no, once I get that number, I'll be really fulfilled. And I said, do you realize when you hit that number, you're still going to feel the same way you feel now? God intended it that way. He wired you that way so that nothing but he could fulfill you. And then he looked at me and said something no one has ever said to me in my entire life. He said, Pastor, I'm going to be honest with you. I have enough money. I don't need God. And I said, well, then, have fun trying to figure it out. 
Have fun trying to figure it out. Most people will search for fulfillment, and when they get it, it's too late because they realize in that moment, I wasted my time, energy, effort, and emotion on things I thought would fulfill me but never can. And they go life to life, thing to thing, person to person, relationship to relationship, well to well, trying to meet needs in their own life that only Jesus can ever meet on the inside of you. Anyone who drinks this water will become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Do you see the difference in Jesus' thoughts and her thoughts? There's such an earthly, just her thoughts are all about the physical, the earth. Oh, yes, please give me that water so I don't have to come out here and keep getting this water every day. And she's missing it. Jesus is trying to separate for her the spiritual world from the physical world. He's going, I want to give you something internally that will change and transform you externally. And she's going, oh, good, if you give me this, I won't have any more external troubles. And Jesus goes, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you may have external troubles, but the internal sustenance will carry you through anything you go through externally. If you drink this water, you'll never thirst again. It becomes a fresh spring. It gives them eternal life. Please give me that. Then I'll never have to come here to get water. Jesus realizes that she doesn't see what Jesus sees. So you know what Jesus does? He goes deeper. Anytime we interact with Jesus and he doesn't connect on the surface, he has to go deeper. Not because he wants to hurt you, but because he loves you. He has to go deeper. So you know what Jesus does? Jesus goes deeper in her life. Jesus says, go and get your husband. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Why is this woman there at noon? She's there at noon because she's on her sixth marriage. And the person that everybody would go to get well water with in the morning was their family, and she didn't have a family. She had pain. She had past. She had background. She had baggage. When she showed up at the well, everybody said, Oh, God, look at her. I heard she just married another man. Number five. Golly, I can't believe She finds herself in the midst of her pain, her own need. And you know what the crazy thing is? She never wanted to be that person. Do you think she woke up every day of her life and said, you know what I want to be? Married five times and on my sixth one. Nobody wants pain in their life. None of us wake up every day going, I want to ruin my life. We just chase after things that we think are going to fulfill us and they never do. The one you have now is not... your husband. You certainly spoke the truth, sir. The woman said, you must be a prophet. Let me just help y'all. If somebody comes up and tells you a bunch of stuff about your life that nobody but you knows, they're probably a prophet. (laughs) I love this interaction. Jesus tells her stuff nobody could know but her, and he goes, you may be a prophet. You certainly, you're a prophet, sir. So tell me this. Let me just say this. Anytime we have interactions with Jesus, you know what they always do? They uncover areas of our heart. What does interactions with Jesus look like for you every day? It looks like spending time with him. When you get up in the morning and you get the word of God inside of you and you open up your Bible and you read two or three verses and you get that inside of your heart and mind and you begin to meditate on it, you know what it does? It begins to work on you. 
Jesus begins to go. You read and you read something that says, do good to those who harm you. Be kind to those who speak ill of you. And you're just reading words, but you know what the spirit inside of you does? You need to go apologize to that neighbor you had a dispute with three weeks ago. Something's not right there. You read something and you think it's totally different and halfway through the day somebody cuts you off and something wants to come out of you and the spirit goes, no, 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 remember we bless those who curse us. Remember we speak good to those who do evil to us. What does that look like? It looks like allowing him in to uncover the parts of my heart that he needs to heal and fix. The parts of her journey that needed to be healed and fixed could not be healed and fixed until they were uncovered. And Jesus looks at her and goes, if you're not seeing what I'm trying to show you, then we have to go deeper into your pain. Can I be honest with you today? God loves you enough to allow you to get into painful, hard situations at times so that you can find him. So that you realize only in him can you be fulfilled and sustained. I'll never forget when I was a kid, someone telling me, Christian, you can't say Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And it wasn't until I was 23 years old in the Air Force, living away from everything that had been my security my whole life, Alex had just broken up with me and swore we were never getting back together. She lied. And then... <laughs> I'm in the airplane for six months, every day. All the things I cared about were stripped away from me. And I remember laying on my dorm room floor as clear as I'm standing here and sobbing and just going, Jesus, you're all I need. You're all I need. I will never put my hope in anyone else. I'll never put weight in anyone else, Jesus. I'm going to set my fulfillment on you and you alone. It was a switch I made in my life that day. It's a switch that changed me. I was turning out of a church on the Highway 98. I remember it like it was yesterday, and I said out loud, God, I'm not putting my hope in anyone but you ever again. It was a brokenness that God had to get me to, and he had to break down parts of me so that at the bottom of my loneliness and isolation and pain, I would go, Jesus, the only person who is ever going to be enough for me is you. The only person who's ever going to really fulfill me is you, Jesus. Jesus will allow you to get to moments of need and pain so that he can bring you to the end of yourself. That doesn't mean he's mad at you. That means he loves you. He loves you enough to let you go, God, I need you. I can't do it on my own. So tell me, why is it, this is the woman's response, so tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? While we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped. You know what I love? This is what religious people or lost people do whenever they encounter moments with Jesus. God does something in their life. And I love that her first response is like what happens when you talk to lost people. Hey, why don't you come to church? You should come check out church. It's awesome. I bet God wants to do something in your life. No, listen. There are too many hypocrites up in that church. I don't go to church because there's so many hypocrites there. They just don't. And I go, awesome. We always got room for one more. Come on. You're more welcome to be here. You can come join us. <laughs> this is what people do. Hey, you need to go deeper with God. Time out. Why are y'all all hypocrites? What they're really saying is, I'm not willing to go in yet. Hold on, I'm waiting to see what this is all about. So tell me, why is it that you worship where, differently than where we worship? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one who you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews, but the time is coming and indeed is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. I love what Jesus says. Jesus again flips the script on her. She goes, well, well, how about one person says here and one person says here? 
And Jesus goes, listen to me. I'm about to do something that's going to change everything. And no longer are you going to have to worship at the temple or on the mountain. You can worship me at the temple or you can worship me in the mountain. Or you can worship me in Jerusalem. Or you can worship me in Judea. Or you can worship me in Samaria. Or you can worship me in Tomball, Texas. Or you can worship me in New York City. Or you can worship me in Houston. I will be where people want me. This is what he's saying. I'm going to go where people desire me. There's a time coming where it's here now where true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. You know, God is searching for people who are willing to worship God by going, God, you are all that I need. You are my only sustenance. You are the only thing that can fulfill me. It says God's looking for that. You know what that means? That means God's allowing you to get to places where you have to go, God, only you can fulfill me. What does it look like for him to look for you? Sometimes it feels like a rough season of marriage. Sometimes it feels like a terrible financial thing. Sometimes it feels like a diagnosis that you don't know how you're going to get through. And in those moments where you go, God, what are you doing? You know what he says? I'm looking for you. I'm looking for you. I'm looking to see if I'm your true fulfillment. I'm looking to see if I'm your true source. I'm looking to see if you're more concerned with the physical or the spiritual. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is a spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This is key to understand. This is why you can get people in an amazing environment where God's moving and then sit there and go, it's kind of weird. I don't really believe in this. And you go, what do you mean? Like, you know, people, God, it's like phenomenal. Did you just hear what he said? They're like, changed my life. And man, like the presence of God is here. And you don't, nah, I don't really feel that. You want me to show you what that's like? It's like walking into Ruth's Chris, it's like walking into a funeral home with a Ruth's Chris steak off the grill, 500 degrees. You take that 500 degree steak and put it up under a person's nose in the casket, you know what they're going to do? Because they're dead. When you're spiritually dead, you can be in environments where God is moving and miss it because you're not connected to the source. You're seeing the physical and not the spiritual. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her, or why are you talking to her? The woman left her jar of water beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? I love what it says right before she says that. The woman said, I know the Messiah. They were shocked to find talking to a woman. What do you want to do with her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village saying, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done in my life. The need that she went to the well for to get the water, she now leaves at the well and goes, the thing I thought I needed is not the thing I need. I need to go and tell people I found the thing I really need. What is the thing she really needed? It was Jesus. It was the connection. It was her seeing a difference of the spiritual world to the physical world and seeing finally why her life had been so painful for so long. Why she had gotten to the end of herself so many times. Why she found herself again and again going, God, why do I keep getting here? And now in this interaction, Jesus goes, I've loved you enough to let you get to the end of yourself so you could find me. Because if you did not have five husbands, you would not be here at noon. And me and you would not be sitting here having this conversation. I love you enough to let you get to the end of yourself. 
come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So people came, streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. As I close, this is huge. I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we're gone, the disciples asked each other? Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me. I love that Jesus says this. They go, Jesus, you've got to be starving. And Jesus goes, no, 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 I have some sustenance that you don't even know about. They go, what do you mean, Jesus? What do you, what do you have that we don't know about? And Jesus says, what fulfills me most is when I do what I was created to do. What fulfills me most is when I'm honoring the Father, listening to the Father. Jesus says, I have a sustenance you don't know about. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God. And then I thought of this, Matthew 4, 4. But Jesus replied, it is written and forever remains, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Then John 12, 49, just a few chapters later, I don't speak of my own authority, Jesus says. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life, so I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Jesus says, when I'm connected to the Father is when I am the most fulfilled in my life. When I connect to him is the only time I can do what he designed and created me to do fully. And when I do those, it's its own reward on the inside of me. I always say it like this, purpose is its own pay. You know what that means? When I wake up in the morning, and this is hard, I have a difficult day in front of me. Man, I got meetings that I'm not looking forward to. I got to have conversations I'm not excited about. I'm a, you know what I begin to tell myself? Hey, somebody's roofing a house today. Somebody out here digging a ditch today. Somebody's in the sun sweating, working hard. God, thank you for the purpose you assigned me in life. God, thank you that I get to go do what I get to do. God, thank you that I get to wake up and spend time with people. God, thank you. All of a sudden, I begin to remind myself that the purposes he created me for, doing them fully, fulfill me in a way that is its own reward. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's going, when I honor the Father, when I live in the flow of the Father, when I obey the Father, the life and the results of it is so rewarding, I don't even need to eat. I don't even need the external things because I'm so rewarded internally. I have a food you know nothing about. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Do you know God has work he's doing on the earth right now? And do you know your gifting is attached to help God finish his work? Which means when you're operating in your gifting, the work is happening faster. And when you're not, the pace is slowing down. You're about to see Jesus say this. You know the saying, for four months between planting and harvest, but I say wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. You know what our job is? Our job is to gather the harvest. Do you know who, any of y'all know who Mary Kirkendall is? You know that name? Mary Kirkendall is who they named this street after. And I met her great-grandson one time, and we're talking. He goes, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm, I'm playing the church. He goes, where? And I tell him. And he goes, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? He goes, my grandmother was Mary Kirkendall, and she used to walk that whole area and pray over all of that, that God would one day move in Tomball and do something amazing. 
that God would just do something phenomenal here, that he would make this a hub of what he wanted to do all over the world, that just somebody had a dream that God could use Tomball to do something great. You know what we're doing? We're harvesting where we did not plant. She planted, she prayed, she sowed. We get to harvest where other people sowed. It's true, we get to harvest where other people planted. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves, now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Jesus is laying out in this moment the difference between living a spirit-led life and a physical life. This woman shows up with a physical need. God, here's my physical need. And Jesus goes, no, no, that's not your need. Yes, it is, God. I'm on my fifth marriage, and marriage is horrible. I don't know how we're going to get through it. It might be my sixth, God, and what if this doesn't happen? And Jesus goes, no, no, you're, you're aiming at the wrong thing. If you get this right, this will take care of itself. If you drink from the right well, your marriage will look different. If you drink from the right well, your purpose will feel different. If you drink from the right well, your relationships will be different. If you drink from the right well, you will be fulfilled in this life like you can't even fathom. But it requires you drinking from the right well. It requires you spending good time with God. It requires you doing His work. Because remember this, the work that's going to matter when we get up to heaven is not what we did. It'll be the guy going, I got a hundred million. And Jesus will go, what did you do for your neighbor? I built this awesome business. How did you love the least and the lost? Look at how good I am. You're missing the scale. You got the wrong scale out. And the scale isn't about how much you can do or how good you can be or how much you can perform or what you look like externally. The scale is how connected to the source and the power and the relationship of the living God can you be. You bow your heads with me this morning. God, thank you today for your goodness and your grace and your mercy, God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. From Jacob to Jesus and from Jesus to us, God, you've been faithful for generation after generation. God, we're so grateful. Forgive us for the times, God, we try and drink from wells that will never satisfy us. God, wells that at the end of them we'll find ourselves still wanting still needing you God are the only one that can satisfy every need every desire and every fulfillment we have God today I ask that you would just forgive us for finding that other places God I pray that you would draw us close to you so that we can be fully fulfilled by your presence and by your purpose in our life now, you may be here this morning and you say Christian that sounds awesome but I've never, I've never had that moment with Jesus I've never had that interaction with Jesus where I was forced to go, God, I need you. Only you can satisfy that thing on the inside of me. But today I want to. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just between you and Jesus, I simply want to ask you, if this is the day that you go, Christian, I need that spiritual thing to come to life in me. I need to be born again. I need a nature change, empowered by the Spirit of God, connected to Him so I can live the life I was designed to live. Not church, not religion, not behavior modification power of God on the inside of you, empowering you to live life. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just between you and Jesus, I simply want to pray for you right where you're at. But if that's you and you say, Christian, would you count me in that prayer? I need that this morning. Would you just slip your hand up today? 
Amen. 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 You can put your hands down. And at Valley Rise, we all pray this together. So you can pray it out loud. You can pray it under your heart. You can pray it in your, under your breath. As long as you mean it is what we ask. Would you repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus, today I recognize my need for you. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. You came from heaven to earth to live a perfect life. A life I never could have lived. But you did it so that I wouldn't have to. Thank you, Jesus. And Jesus, I believe you went to the cross to pay for my sin bill so that I wouldn't have to. Thank you, Jesus. I receive your gift. And then Jesus, on the third day, I believe you rose from the grave to give me new life, hope, and freedom. Today, Jesus, I choose you. I choose to love you, choose to serve you, choose to seek you all the days of my life. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, Amen. Would you give a hand Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.